Chapter 5. How to Change Your Habits Why Diets Go Against the Grain When I was 11 years old, my family packed up our old 1983 Ford station wagon, which we affectionately called the Dragon Wagon, and we headed down to Hawks Cay, Key Largo, Florida. We had our swimsuits, our diving fins, the fishing poles, towels, sunscreen, the works. And once Dad hitched up the 18-foot Aquasport outboard motorboat behind the car, we were ready to go. And we were approximately seven minutes into the four-hour drive when the car in front of us on the road slammed its brakes as we approached the stoplight. Naturally, Dad hit the brakes. Hard. However, the extra weight of the boat behind us kept us right on going. The tires were screeching, smoke was billowing out from beneath the car as we came to a stop like barely inches from the bumper in front of us. Whew, that was close. Your brain can be a lot like my dad driving our station wagon with a heavy boat behind it. There's a common analogy that describes the relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind. It's like an elephant and its rider. The rider has the brains, but the elephant has the brawn. And in our case, dad was the rider and the boat was the elephant. How many times have you started out strong on a diet only to lose steam after week three or four? The novelty wears off and your willpower begins to drain. And before long, you're back to your old ways. What is the secret to maintaining momentum past weeks three or four? It all comes down to your subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is much more powerful than the conscious mind just like the elephant is more powerful than the rider. We make the decision to lose weight or go on a diet with our conscious mind. However, our everyday actions are most often dictated by the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind evolved at a time when changing the environment could mean danger. Since a diet is all about changing your behaviors, your subconscious mind sees the diet as a threat. The brain thinks that keeping things the same is safe. Our biology actively seeks to keep us at normal, which means our old weight and our old patterns. So a diet goes against the grain of how we are wired. So how do we make changes in our actions and our habits that don't get derailed by the subconscious mind? The key is to make change small enough so that it doesn't trigger the subconscious mind's tendency to freak out a little bit. So number one, small changes fly under the radar of your subconscious mind's change-o-meter, and thus they don't set off the self-sabotaging alarm bells. Number two, small changes are easier to sustain and help you change the way you see yourself over time. And number three, small changes don't feel like deprivation. The destination always feels like the journey did. If you're making yourself miserable all the way down the scale, you're going to be miserable trying to stay there. Small changes don't feel miserable. They feel doable. Fad diets promise results quickly, but it is really hard to sustain those fad diets because they ask you to change too many things all at once, and that works directly against the way your brain is wired to accept or not accept change. You can willpower your way to big changes for a short time, and that can lead to fast results. However, the subconscious mind will always be working to get things, quote, back to the way they were, because that is what the mind sees as safe. Diets fail because they don't address the underlying mental scripts and subconscious behaviors. Want my advice? 
Never try to fix everything all at once. Being overwhelmed does not help you achieve your goals. Simplicity does. 1% tiny or infinite. The problem is small changes are not exciting. We don't see progress right away. So we want to give up. Most of the time, the way we think about change is that we're not close to the goal until we're close to the goal. For example, if I want to lose 50 pounds, I'm close to my goal once I've lost 45 pounds, not three pounds. We think the first few steps don't count. We don't give ourselves credit for creating a meal plan and following it 20% of the time because that's not close to perfect. You know what? We need to look at change differently. The biggest leap is from zero to one. The difference between doing something and nothing is everything. From zero to one is the part that most people never do. The difference between nothing and a little bit is infinite. From zero to one is the hard part. Once you've gotten going, it's just rinse and repeat from there. The hardest part of the run is getting out the door. The hardest part of meal planning is sitting down to do it. Perfectionism keeps us thinking that doing a little bit is pointless. We're too busy, we're too tired, too stressed to try imperfectly. But doing the tiniest step imperfectly, consistently, adds up much faster than doing perfect steps once or twice and then quitting. Doing a little is everything. If you spend 1% of your time or effort making yourself a little bit better over a year, you'll be exponentially closer to your goal. It's math. 1% compounded over 365 days creates exponential progress. Now, if you are looking at the book right now, there's this nifty little graph where it says 1% tiny or infinite. And basically it maps out if you take a 1% improvement compounded daily over 365 days, you see a you know big slope that goes up and up and up because that compounding 1% improvement gets bigger and bigger over time. It's exponential. Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day, at first it's not a big difference, but over time, over 365 days, it compounds and you get close to zero. So basically it is a visual representation of how 1% improvements compounded daily a little bit over time can make a massive result over time. While doing something small seems insignificant, the space between the person doing nothing and the person doing something is huge. Give yourself the chance to be 1% better consistently, and you'll be amazed how much change you can make over time. Change your definition of success. If you can define success as progress, then even if you stumble forward, you're still further ahead than you were before. Making progress the goal changes the internal story from I'm not good enough to, well, I'm better than yesterday. I'm making progress all the time. How to simplify habit change. Number one, make it easier to start. In 1947, the world was rebuilding after World War II. The United States had a vested interest in Japan's economic recovery, So the United States government sent visionary business and academic figures to Japan to help them get their economy back on track. He didn't know it at the time, but one man would have a massive impact on the economies of both Japan and the United States with just one small idea. W. Edwards Deming introduced the idea of testing small changes to deliver improvement on manufacturing processes. 
The Japanese saw how increasing quality with small changes, note small changes, led to decreased expenses over time. The Japanese embraced this process and they refined it, calling it Kaizen, which means continuous improvement. In 1950, the Toyota Corporation embraced Kaizen fully and they began their quest towards dominating the world of the automobile manufacturing. And based on the number of Camrys and Priuses out there, it pretty much worked. In a nutshell, Kaizen means small changes done consistently over time accumulate and lead to huge shifts. Trust me, what works in business works in weight loss too. Kaizen is the antidote to the diet mentality. Here's what I mean. Diets ask you to make big changes, but small things get in the way. Kaizen asks you to make small changes and big things result. So why do small changes succeed where big changes fall off the wagon? The answer is in your brain, of course. The amygdala is the part of the brain where the fight or flight response lives. Because a diet changes so many things, it triggers the amygdala to set off warning bells to either fight or run from the changes you're trying to make. I mean, no wonder we fall off the wagon or the station wagon. You get it. Kaizen is stealthy. It's like sneaking back in the house after curfew and getting past your dad sleeping on the couch without waking him up. Technically, I actually once did that. Don't tell him. Small changes get around the amygdala because small, easy, achievable steps help you tiptoe past the fight or flight response. Over time, as the small steps continue, your brain gets used to them. Repetition creates new neural wiring and builds new habits. And gradually, the brain's resistance to change weakens for the win. Activation energy. A long time ago, I used to teach middle school science. We covered everything from earthquakes and volcanoes to the basics of chemistry. And my favorite part was mixing vinegar and baking soda and watching the bubbles fizz up out of a paper mache volcano. Those were always so much fun. During my time teaching, I learned something really interesting about chemical reactions. When two reactants come together, like vinegar and baking soda, it takes energy in order to get them to bond and change into the products. In other words, the bubbles and the fizz. That energy is called activation energy. So imagine it this way. Imagine you're rolling a large rock up a hill. It takes a lot of work to get that rock up the hill. But once you get to the peak, it'll roll down and break apart on its own. Activation energy is the work it takes to get the rock up the hill. In the book, there's this nifty little diagram with a gal trying to roll a boulder up a hill and the difference between the top of the hill and where she starts is what's called activation energy. Habits require activation energy too. The more complex or daunting the habit, the higher the hill you're trying to climb. So let's say you created a goal for yourself to run three miles five days a week before the kids get up. That's like trying to roll a boulder the size of a car up Mount Kilimanjaro. You're making this really hard. You're creating huge activation energy that makes it harder for you to get the boulder up the hill. So why not make it easier on yourself by choosing a smaller rock to roll up a smaller hill? Choose a smaller rock by making success tiny. For example, losing 50 pounds feels hard. Losing two pounds feels doable. Doing an intense 38-minute HIIT workout feels hard. Putting on my shoes and hitting play on the video feels easy. Planning my meals for the whole week feels hard. 
Planning my dinner tonight feels reasonable. Feeling all my feelings feels hard. Allowing my feelings for one minute feels attainable. The idea is to create a habit and habits are created with repetition. If you can repeat a small action, then you can build on it. Some days, the only change is eating a little bit less ice cream or walking to the mailbox. Make micro changes and do them consistently when the big changes are too daunting. Overcome that activation energy by lowering the goal to do something that you can do in two minutes. For example, do one stretch, walk to the mailbox and back, put on your exercise clothes. Ask yourself, what is the smallest thing I can do today to feel good? Don't look for the seven foot high jump bar that you need to jump over. Find the one foot bar and step over it consistently. So in the book, there's a diagram where we've made the rock that the gal is rolling up a hill smaller. So it's easier to roll a smaller rock up the hill. That's make it easier to start. Step number two is make it easier to succeed. A perfectionist can do 80 sit-ups and still feel like a failure because they didn't do 100. This hurts your long-term progress because it feels lousy to be falling short all the time. So choose a smaller hill. And you do that by making success binary. It's like a light switch. It's either on or it's off, meaning you either did a sit-up or you didn't. There's no grade for a good workout versus a bad one. For example, did I get on my running shoes? Yes or no. Did I meditate for at least one minute? Yes or no. Did I plan any meals this week? Yes or no. Did I eat any vegetables today? Yes or no. The process is where the gold is. If you can win the process, the results will take care of themselves. When creating a new habit, the goal is to groove in that practice first and then level up the challenge of it. So in our diagram, we've got the gal rolling the rock up the hill. The rock is smaller because we made it easier to start. And now the hill is lower because we're making it easier to succeed. It's a yes, no. Did I do it or not? Did I do one push up? Did I do one sit up? Did I eat one vegetable? Make it easier to succeed. Step number three, make it easier to keep going. What's more important to weight loss, commitment or consistency? I know for me, whenever I started a new workout program and it asked me to decide, how committed are you to this change? And on the outside, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all in, sort of. I mean, that's what you're supposed to say, right? But on the inside, I'd be thinking, honestly, I'm kind of scared that I cannot keep this up and I'm afraid to admit that to myself, much less say it out loud. Have you ever felt that way? Over time, I've become a much bigger fan of focusing on consistency rather than commitment. If there is ever a goal or a change that you're not totally sure you're committed to, great. That is a sign to cut the goal in half and then cut it in half again. Don't beat yourself up for not choosing the big audacious goal. Instead, congratulate yourself for finding a boundary of where your current commitment limits are and just stay a little bit inside them. Any change you consider ought to be one you can see yourself still doing consistently five years from now. What if you worried less about weight loss and simply focused on micro changes that were easy enough that you knew you could keep doing them consistently? Big changes are hard to keep up consistently. And when you're inconsistent, that feels like failure. 
And when you feel like a failure, you want to quit. So set up the system in a way that makes it easy to keep going. Lower your expectations out of love for yourself. We usually set that bar really high out of self-loathing. Set that bar lower to give yourself a chance to win. When you set the bar low enough, then self-doubt won't stop you. By making success easier to achieve, you get to focus on progress and consistency rather than perfect results. It allows you to take more action with less fear. Little changes provide evidence to your brain that you can commit to change. This process helps you to finally break that cycle of making promises to yourself that you don't keep. And by keeping changes small, you're making commitments to yourself that you can keep doing for the rest of your life. Quote, by the yard it's hard, by the inch it's a cinch. Robert Maurer. Imagine an airplane is flying from Los Angeles to New York. The plane doesn't make one huge turn towards New York and then coast from there. In fact, most of the trip, the plane is actually slightly off course. Along the way, the pilot makes small shifts and course corrects to get the plane closer and closer to the destination. There are no big changes, just consistent, tiny little adjustments. Health and weight loss can be the same way. By going on a diet, you're telling the brain, we're changing the way we do things around here, people. But that doesn't work. As soon as you slip up and eat some cheesecake, it's too easy to say, well, I blew it. I guess I'm off my diet. When you focus on making small changes along the way, if you have the cheesecake, you can learn from it and just make a course correction the next time you're faced with a similar choice. You don't have to change everything in order to be healthy and lose weight. You just need to make little tweaks and adjustments one at a time that you can do over and over again. That's how behavior change begins to take hold. It's not about forcing yourself into yet another diet plan that won't stick. Remember the progress principle? Feeling like you're winning is the fuel that runs the engine of motivation. It is so crucial to give yourself the best chance, the best opportunity of feeling good about your progress, because that feeling good is what helps you to keep going. And keeping going is what allows you to eventually reach your goals. Quitting doesn't get you there any faster. So allow yourself to feel as good as you can about the progress you're making so you don't quit. Speaking of being able to feel good about your progress, because that is so important, Sometimes it can be useful to create your goal on a spectrum. For example, on my best days, I'll strive for X, but if life doesn't go perfectly, then I'll still be proud of myself for doing Y, which I feel confident I can accomplish even on my toughest days. So for example, if you're trying to get on the treadmill for 30 minutes, five days a week, you say on my best days, when life goes perfectly, I'll get on the treadmill five days out of the week and walk for 30 minutes. But life rarely goes perfectly. So plan for it. You can say on my worst days when I'm super busy or super tired, if I at least get on the treadmill and walk for five minutes, I'll still feel proud of myself because I did something. Giving yourself a spectrum allows you to feel successful. Think about it for a second. Would you be willing to try that? How would you feel about creating a goal that you're reaching for and one that you'd be happy with on days that life doesn't quite go to plan? If you create a spectrum, The key to successful change is feeling like you're making progress. So give yourself the best chance to feel successful, 
even when you don't live up to perfect expectations. Quote, strive for continuous improvement rather than perfection. Kim Collins. One of the best ways to make it easier to keep going is to reduce the number of decisions you have to make. Decisions make it harder to get the rock up the hill. In our diagram, they don't necessarily make the hill higher and they don't make the rock bigger, but they drain your willpower so you get smaller. So now we've got a tiny person trying to push the same size rock up the same size hill. Having more choices is not necessarily a good thing because choices drain your energy. For me personally, here's an example of my inner monologue when I have not planned ahead for what workout I'm going to do a day. Should I hit snooze or should I get up? What should I wear? Should I go to the gym or go for a run? Do I want to do cardio or lift weights? Or I could do an on-demand video at home. Or I could just stay here in bed and keep thinking about it until I no longer have time to work out and I might as well sleep until I need to get the kids up for school. The harder I make my brain work, the more likely it is that I will hit the easy button and just lay in bed. Enjoy the freedom of fewer choices. Make a plan for what kind of exercise you want to do, when you need to start, and set out your clothes so that all you need to do is get out the door. It's the same with food. Pre-portion out serving sizes of vegetables and put them in a Ziploc bag. Then when you're hungry for a snack, all you need to do is grab the bag instead of having to take the time to wash and cut up the vegetables. Make it easier to just get going by doing less thinking. Once you've rolled that rock up the hill, it's easier to keep rolling it in that direction. You just need to make it a lot easier to get into the habit and get it started by reducing the number of decisions you make. Step number four, make it easier to feel good. If you want healthy habits to not be a chore, you need to give your brain a reward for doing them. You cannot expect to take away a natural reward that your brain is used to getting from the less than great habit and then have your brain just be fine with it. Imagine you gave a five-year-old a lollipop every day at five o'clock and then one day you decided today we're not doing the lollipop. How is the five-year-old gonna react? They're probably gonna freak out. Your brain is very similar. It is used to the routine. It is used to the reward. So if you want to make a change, you've got to help your brain remember why it wants to do that. So it's important to attach positive feelings to the action you're trying to groove in so that your brain remembers it likes this new habit. It's really hard to keep doing something that you don't enjoy. Bad habits are easier to keep doing because they naturally give your brain a reward. When you're trying to groove in a new habit, you need to proactively add in a reward so that your brain will remember to want to do the new habit. Your brain seeks pleasure and avoids pain. If there's a new thing you want to do, attach a pleasure to it. Give yourself a win for accomplishing even the smallest of tasks. So for example, here's kind of a format that you can use to help figure out a reward. After I, whatever action you're trying to do, then I get to small reward. So here's some examples. After I meditate for three minutes, then I get to have my cup of coffee in the morning. So how might you fill in the blanks above and attach the habit to something that you already do and give yourself a small reward? Here are some ideas. Keep a chart and give yourself a check or a smiley face or a gold sticker for every time you do the new habit. 
I'm totally serious. This one thing has helped me write this book that you're listening to right now. Another idea. For every time you do a new habit, give yourself a non-food treat, like five minutes of playing Candy Crush or a minute to look at kittens online. Another idea is find a buddy or a friend to collaborate with and you create a collective goal where the two of you are working together to reach a bigger goal. So for example, between the two of us, we're aiming to get up from our desks 20 times this week and then have a spreadsheet to keep track and tally up their totals. Quote, training your brain is like training a dog to sit or come or lie down. It's all about meaning, simplicity, treats, and repetition. Jen Sincero. As you're practicing habit change, it's important to make it easier to get started, easier to succeed, and easier to keep going. And you need to make it easier to feel successful. Weight loss is not a straight line. It's a product of consistent behaviors. Get excited about the process and less focused on the outcomes. Focus on feeling great about your progress and the results will take care of themselves. Habit hacks. Here are a couple of ideas for how to make habit hacks a little bit easier. Number one, talk to yourself with purpose. Let's be honest. Some days it's just plain hard to get going. It's too cold to work out. You're too tired to cook a healthy dinner. Sometimes healthy habits are just plain hard. In those moments, try not to stay present. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. Throw mindfulness and presence out the window. Ignore the now and focus on the finish. I'll feel so good after I work out. I'll feel so proud of myself after I have a healthy dinner. I can brag to my spouse after I actually got out the door and did the workout. (laughs) Trying to get yourself to move more, then intentionally create a thought loop of, if I get started, I know I'll feel awesome after my workout. Trying to drink more water? Remind yourself, I'll feel better in my body after I drink this glass of water. Want to eat more veggies? Proactively tell yourself, I'm crushing my goals like a boss and I feel so virtuous and pious when I eat them. What you focus on expands. So put your focus where your feel good is or where it will be. Habit hack number two, harness existing momentum. I have started and stopped the habit of meditating like eight times. I'd get on a roll and then my schedule would be different one day and suddenly I'm out of the habit. I once came close to meditating every day for a year, and then the pandemic happened, and weirdly, even though I had more time than ever, I just couldn't seem to find the time to meditate. When routines change, it's hard to keep habits going because the normal anchors that we use to help trigger the habit are missing. That's why it's harder to meal plan on weekends and harder to exercise when you're on vacation. Your normal routine is disrupted, and thus the foundational supports of the habit are disrupted too. Simply being aware of this can help you give yourself a little grace when life happens and the habit that you're trying to establish gets pushed to the side for a little bit. View it as a temporary disruption rather than an indictment on your ability to stick to something new. Imperfect consistency is better than a perfect habit abandoned. In my opinion, consistency is less about doing something without fail every day. It's more about knowing that you give yourself grace to do it imperfectly as frequently as you can. If you miss a day, that's all right. Just try not to miss two in a row. Try not to let it mean anything. Consistency is the antidote to perfection. It's about quantity, not quality. 
Imperfection is a beautiful thing. Your routines are like a big heavy train that's already gone through the process of getting moving and now it's moving at full speed down miles of straightaway. The habit you're trying to create is like a heavy boxcar that's just sitting idle on the track. It takes a lot of energy to get it moving. Harness the power of the train that's already running at full speed by partnering the new habit you're trying to create with something you already do naturally. It's really hard to get momentum going each day if you're asking yourself, when am I going to meal plan today? It's much easier if you can attach the new habit you're trying to create to something you already do. For example, what's something you already do every day? Drink coffee? What's the habit you're trying to establish? Plan my meals. Introduce the existing habit to your new one that you're trying to spend more time with. For example, again, after I insert action you already do, then I will insert action you want to do. So after I get up and use the restroom in the morning, then I will meditate for three minutes. You could try it this way as well. Before I action you already do, then I will action you want to do. Before I brush my teeth at night, then I will look for one thing I appreciate about my body. Remember to give your brain a little reward for completing this new habit. Simple doesn't mean easy. One of the things that drives me crazy about diet programs is that they never tell you, hey, just so you know, it's going to get really hard around day six and you're going to want to eat your entire fridge by day nine. That is, of course, if you make it that far. Keeping habit change simple is the key to success. However, simple and easy are not the same thing. Even though you're keeping things simple, obstacles will come up. Your brain is extremely vested in keeping the status quo. Old habits are safe. Know up front that the subconscious mind is going to put up some resistance to change. That resistance sounds like number one. The demanding results-driven voice in your head. It takes patience and self-love and respect to tolerate that voice in your head that says, we've been doing this for two days. Why isn't the scale working? This isn't worth it. Thank you, demanding voice. That was super helpful. We all have that voice. The one that is impatient and not okay with small changes. It's normal. It's okay. Know that it will be there asking for daily proof that this is working. You know it's working because you're showing up every day. And on those days that you miss, you know it's no big deal because you can get back on track tomorrow. Know that you are strong enough to tolerate the negative voice that demands perfect results in less time. Number two, pessimism. It can feel hard to be optimistic and confident that you're on the right track when the little steps you're taking are small and it's tough to see measurable progress from day to day. It's tempting to protect yourself from potential failure. The brain is very good at throwing up warning signals screaming, this isn't working. However, all that does is make you experience the feeling of failure in advance. Instead, if you choose to feel positive about the practice and celebrate the opportunity to make a choice for yourself, the outcome will take care of itself. That's why it is so important to note the amazing things you are doing for yourself and count those as wins rather than only looking toward the end result, which of course will come with time. Number three, tolerating screw-ups. Every single person who ever tried to change a habit 
did so imperfectly with lots of screw-ups along the way. However, it's really tempting to see those screw-ups as evidence for why you're not cut out for this and why you just don't have it in you. Do not listen to that voice. Change that channel. Screw-ups are like speed bumps through the parking lot on your way to the spa to get a massage. Yeah, roll right over those suckers at 35 miles an hour. You can handle a bump when a massage is waiting for you. All of those obstacles that your brain puts in the way of change are normal, but they are the smokescreen covering up what's quivering just beneath the surface. Fear of failure. Fear of failure is a totally normal human emotion. It's just your brain trying to protect you. It's doing its job. There's nothing wrong with you when your brain offers up thoughts that have some flavor of what if I fail? Chances are you've learned from repeated experience that attempting to lose weight means failure. And failure feels really bad because of what we make it mean about ourselves. It's no wonder that your subconscious mind would be sending a warning signal saying, oh, whoa, ho, hold up here. We've tried this before. And not only did it not work, but it felt really lousy. So let's avoid this. You don't have to fight thoughts like that. Just because your brain sends up a thought doesn't make it true. It's something you can welcome because it's reminding you to purposefully think the thoughts you want. Thoughts like, even though past tries didn't work out the way I wanted, those were just practice runs. They taught me what doesn't work. It's all part of my ultimate success story. Or, it's impossible for me to fail. I know I'll have slip-ups, but I now see those as learning opportunities instead of mistakes or failure. If I just keep going, success is inevitable. What if you viewed each thought of fear as an invitation to change the channel? Instead of being afraid that you won't succeed, be afraid of being in the exact same place one year from now. If I try and fail, I grow. If I don't try, I stagnate. Imagine it this way. Let's say you're helping your child to learn how to ride a bike. However, in the past, she had a crash and a fall from her bike that left her feeling pretty afraid to try again. What would you tell your child and how would you coach her to be able to ride a bike with confidence? Fear of failure is normal. You don't have to let it stop you. Keep rocking it. Don't give up. God doesn't expect perfection, just growth. Maybe that can be enough for us too. You are not who you were yesterday, nor are you yet who you will be tomorrow. You're in the beautiful middle of the process of becoming. And each day, each choice, you're becoming the person you know is inside you. The one who whispers, I'm ready to shine my light into the world. She's already there inside you. I see her. You already are her. You're simply learning to uncover your strength and revealing her to yourself and to the world one choice at a time. Quote, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Matthew 5, 14 through 15. 